0: and fan the flame. That's what we're going after, all right? May God get all the glory all year long in 2021. No matter the circumstance, I will look to my King. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. Great to be celebrating and worshiping, man, fired up to be able to make much of Jesus Christ. And before we get going with the uh, time in the, in the sermon piece here and just moving forward with what we're doing with the preaching. Just wanted to spend a little bit of a time uh, with a family chat. Just a little bit of update on where we're at and some things on where we're headed, some of the adjusts that are going on, just so you know what's taking place, all right? Always good to set expectations as we move ahead, right? and Ready? And all of God's people said. Yeah, you know that's true, right? It's always nice to know what's coming so we know kind of how to set our thinking along the way. And uh, just so we're clear as we get going here, we are continuing to open up, right? We have been over the last few weeks, really months, just continuing to open up more and more and each week trying to make more space and more place to be able to help more and more uh, come here and meet in person. Uh, That said, I don't know really if you know how many we even have coming. We do have a bulletin online. We have a digital bulletin that we've been doing. You know, that bulletin we used to pass physically that we're not right now. So we actually have a digital bulletin. It's got the updates of all the kind of announcements going on, but it's also got different stats like the attendance numbers and the giving numbers. Those things you can find online under the resources page on our website and And uh, it's just important that you know some of the details. But that said, just so you know, we right now have somewhere around, we'll call it 15 to 1,600 typically in attendance in person on Sundays, all day long. That's both kids and adults. We have between 15 and 1,600 coming right now in person all day long. And uh, praise God for that, man. That's an awesome moment. You know, we typically, before COVID, we were running uh, somewhere around 2,800 to 3,000. And so we've got about 1,600 in person now. We've also got another wave of people that are online all day long. That actually adds up to somewhere around 12 to 1,400 thereabouts, maybe even a little more at times online. So when you put the two together, we're actually running about the 3,000. We're doing great. We've been able to keep the numbers in place and managing as we go along. Please continue to make good decisions about what makes sense for you, whether it be online or in person and whichever service, 9 or 11 or 430. And, uh, man, we're just going to continue to open up slowly and make much of our God. May he get all the glory. Ready? And all of God's people said. All right, so we're continuing to open up. That said, uh, we have started to change the parking lot a little bit. Obviously, we made some changes last week, just getting going. And then this week, you've noticed we uh, also changed it a little bit more. So it's kind of normal now, right? And uh, I know we used to have the every other space, so we all have like, you know, 900 feet between our car and the next, so we could just swing those doors wide open, right? And uh, it's a little different now, right, as we're going back to the, all the rows and the spaces kind of taken up. That's because when we were going every other space, we actually ended up starting to spill into the other side. And then as services started to overlap, we started to run out of space in moments. And uh, so this actually is just getting more functional and more useful with the space we have. All right, so we will be back to kind of parking side by side and taking up the rows. And, and so now when you're getting out of the car, you can let those doors fling a little, right? Just to let the doors go a little bit and then otherwise we're good. And, and uh, praise God for it. Love that we've been able to open up the parking space some. Uh, that said, man, there is some big news going on. This past week, there was some announcements that took place. The CDC came out and they made some statements about uh, vaccinations And they said, if you have been vaccinated, and it's been two weeks since your second vaccination, so you're fully vaccinated and two weeks out from it. They basically said, at that point, you are now safe to be able to Um, connect with other people. You can go mask down and even uh, breaking some of that social distance with others who have been vaccinated. And then it actually kind of then started alluding to you can also be connecting with those who have uh, already been sick or those who are basically just uh, low risk. All right. So there's some opening up that's beginning to happen for some, now, there are others where they still got to be a little careful, and we get that, but there's beginning to be a little opening up for that. Praise God for it. There was another announcement that came out as well. The Illinois school board came out this week and said, hey, no more six-foot social distancing. We're now saying move it down to three feet social distancing. Just so we're clear, that's called normal. Like, <laughs> really, if you're inside at three feet, you're like, dude, seriously, can you just, <laughs> right? Right. But they're basically like, hey, let's go back to normal, and uh, that's where we're headed with that. And so it's good to hear the school board's going back to that as far as the guidance. Still masks at the schools, but they're back to the three-foot, just kind of the regular social distancing now. So there are a lot of different ways where things are beginning to adjust. That said, I just want you to know we as elders over the past few weeks have been contemplating what it looks like for us to continue to be opening up more and more, and have been prayerfully walking through that together together. Uh, basically, a week and a half back, we were like, it's time for us to start figuring out what that can look like and how we might be able to get more chairs, more people, more kids, all of that making sense, and uh, began to look at some of those decisions. At the moment, we said, let's just look for confirmation as we start to come to it. We had some thoughts on it, and then in the next week, God was gracious enough to give us, uh, give us the uh, CDC statement and the ISBE statement that were really high confirmation of right where we were headed. So, that said, here's the change we're making. We're going to start next week, right? Everybody say next week. Next week, we're going to actually start the first five rows, all right? Kind of sounds like it's a small number, but it's almost half of the lower bowl. The first five rows are going to go to every row, every chair, all right? So there's not going to be the orange bungee cords separating. Amen. Praise God for that. So we got the first 5 rows will be every row, every chair, and then everything at the back of the lower bowl and all of the upper bowl will still be the same. It'll be every other row and the social distancing and all of that, all right? So it gives you opportunity to be able to do what you're comfortable with and being able to make sense out of that. If you have already been vaccinated, if you have already been sick, if you are lower risk, man come join us in the lower bowl as we're able to kind of put some people down in there. Just so you know that adds about 100 chairs in here, and if we actually put plastic chairs in the front row, we could probably get about 150 more chairs in here. So praise God, that gives us a nice little opening element, and that's where we're headed with that. That said, when it gets to Easter, which is just a few weeks away, man, that is not, it's the first week of April, April 4th, I believe it is, first weekend in April is coming up fast. What we're going to do for Easter in order to make space on that day is we are actually going to go entire lower bowl is going to be every row, every seat, all right? So entire lower bowl will be every row, every seat. We'll still have the upper bowl that's going to be every other row and distanced out to give you an alternative and a choice there. May not look like it, but just so you know, there's 700 seats in the lower bowl and there's 700 seats in the upper bowl. It's very fair, okay? Okay. Like, we're just considering it all, and we're being wise about it. So there's a lot of options and a lot of choices for you as we reason through this. That will open up hundreds of chair count for Easter. And, um, man, I cannot wait to be able to pack this place out safely and wisely for what makes sense, but pack this place out for the glory of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. huge man. Amen. It's a big deal. And, uh, Appreciate you guys getting excited about it, looking forward to it. Just so you know, too, we've had a great response with the children's workers and do continue to come at that. If you're able to volunteer with us, join with us there. We've had a number of volunteers, so we've been able to continue to keep that number rising uh, in the children's domain in the back. We've got some extra rooms as well that we're now able to open up. So we're just continuing to add child count as well back there and being wise to that. Um, it definitely helps with the statements like moving to three foot social distancing and all of that. So praise God for it. Reality more parking space more children's space, more adult space, and we're heading back to a more and more normal environment. Um, May God get all the glory, right? That said, if it doesn't work for you, if it doesn't make sense, we're still going to have the live streaming. We love you. It's still going to be available. We've got that going on, and we're going to be wise as we walk through this together. It is all for the fame of the name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said... All right. Just one last reminder for you. So as we do this, maybe first five rows starting next week, right? That's every row, every chair. Um, We are still going to be asking that you come in masked on the way in, masked on the way out, and masked in the atrium, all right? There still are others that are trying to be careful and trying to be wise, and we want them to join us here in this church service and for all of us to do this together, all right? So it's still masking on the way in, masking on the way out, masking in the atrium. There will still be sign-ups for right now, but we are going to be opening it up, okay? May God get all the glory. Clear enough? Hope so, all right. Truly, as we get going after this today, our job is to fan the flame. Fan the flame. That's what this series is all about. Fan the flame. May our hearts be on fire for Christ. Individually, as a family, as a church, may we fan the flame to worship our Savior. And man, when you look at all that's been going on with COVID and everything else, it is amazing how easy it is for the heart to actually get kind of pushed down. For the passions to sort of deflate. Amen. Our hunger is to continue to fan the flame for our passion and our worship to ignite for Jesus Christ. That said, as we go after it here today, we're gonna to be looking at what it means to go after the truth uh, in our preach. Uh, Last week was looking at the value of the word, and this week is looking at the, if the word is valuable like that, then how should the church respond, all right? So we're going after it today. If you want to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1, that'd be great. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1, as we look at uh, going after preaching the word, the church being on fire using the word that has such value, all right? So point number one here, value a church that will always preach the word. Value a church that will always preach the word. Man, may we be a church that constantly brings God's word into the service and walks it through. If you're, maybe you're in a, an environment where you're having to move, life is gonna be changing. Please make sure that you are looking for a church that will walk Through God's word, that it will make much of Jesus Christ, that it will honor His word and preach and bring it phrase by phrase. May God get all the glory. If you walk into a church and there's not the preaching of the word, time to move on. Okay? That's pretty clear, and He's going to walk through it today here. So let's start in verse one. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. He starts out, he says, I charge you. Like I command you, I give you this order. But it's more than that. This word in the original language is actually saying, I am testifying to you in a way that brings or causes you to have to react. This word testimony or testify, it's actually him bringing in kind of a courtroom sense to it. The terminology begins to speak of a courtroom. And he's like, I'm now testifying. I'm bringing a witness. I'm bringing a testimony saying that these things are true. He says, I charge you. I testify to you, Timothy, to the one man who is the pastor at the church of Ephesus. Here's the call I have for you. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Remember I said he's in that courtroom mentality. So he's like, in the presence of God, like one of the witnesses is the divine Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The divine Godhead is watching over and hearing what I have to say, Timothy. And you need to know this. As I share this and as I testify this out, God is seeing it being said. But he goes one step further. He doesn't say the Godhead. He also ushers in Christ. And he ushers him in for a very specific reason. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. Who is to judge? Jesus Christ in this courtroom is the judge. Do you know that? That one day, eventually, Jesus Christ, the creator who speaks in this world exists, by his presence it's all sustained, ultimately will be judged. It says that he is actually the judge of the living and the dead. There's not many more people than that. Right? The living and the dead. He's like, He's the judge of everyone. He's going to be judging all, and all will stand before Christ and need to give account. And Paul's like, I want to make this clear, Timothy. I have a witness of the Godhead. I've got a judge in Jesus Christ. And in the courtroom, I'm testifying. This must be said. And he's getting pretty impassioned for what needs to be in the church. And this is what he says. Um, it says, and by his appearing and his kingdom, I've got some things to request of you. Jesus Christ, he is judge, but he has authority. He is judge, he's in charge. And by his appearing, he came the first time as the sacrificial lamb. Jesus, God Almighty, lived a perfect life. He ended up being taken to the cross. And as he was ta- his life was taken, his blood being spilled To cover your sin. To cover my sin. Jesus Christ in his first coming as lamb. Making a replacement payment. He rose again from the dead. Providing life and life eternally. Eventually it says he rose up into the heavens. And he is living there right in this perfection. This place of paradise is his kind of expressed place. It says that he actually appeared once and he will appear again his second coming his second appearing will be as lion he will come in thunderously he will come in in charge he will be putting evil in its place he will be putting it all to rest and he will be walking us in to an absolutely glorious and perfect kingdom forever no more pain no more sorrow Paul's like that's the judge I stand before The one who took it in his hands, both at the first coming and will at the second coming. The one who will judge all of us. He's the one I give answer to. And my challenge is this, Timothy. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Preach the word, like herald it, proclaim it, bring it. Do not hide it. Make sure you're the messenger of it. Announce it from the mountaintops. Walk it through and make it clear. Preaching, it has to do with an impassioned walk through God's word where you are clearly allowing his word to be read and understood and clearly spoken out. Just so you know, we walk through the word of God much like Nehemiah chapter 8 talks about reading through a passage, reading it passage by passage, section by section, verse by, maybe even word by word, and taking a moment to understand how it all works together, being able to explain it and grasp it so that all of us have a better understanding. It's called expository preaching, and we're walking piece by piece through God's Word and explaining it out. He's like, Timothy, make sure you preach God's Word. Proclaim it herald it. Let the word of God be brought with passion and hunger. And, uh, you know, this is the role of the pastor. He says, preach the word and be ready in season and out of season. The, The pastor has to know the word, and the pastor has to have a word. Being able to stand up and share what God's word has to say and how it applies and how we all need to be walking with that and being able to make and understand the clarity of it. He's like, make sure that you preach the word on a regular basis. A church on fire will walk through God's word. And all of God's people said, dude, that's a huge deal. We will preach the word. Now, he gives three words here that he begins to explain it with. And these words are very similar, and yet there is a little bit of difference. So let's just walk them. He says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. The word reprove, we saw it last week in the same passage last week, 2 Timothy 3, right before this. He actually talks about this reproving, and it means to persuade someone of their wrong. That's reproving. To be able to make it clear, if you will, to challenge someone or to convict really the work of the Holy Spirit as you walk through God's word, just making it clear, this is what God's word says. And then the Holy Spirit's doing the tapping on the shoulder that's like, dude, that's what I was talking about. Like that's what we need to be working on. And God works in our lives, maybe it's over weeks or months, maybe it's just over that day and in that moment, but God being able to challenge and encourage and reprove as we walk through his word. He makes it clear what the commands are and what he wants, and we make it clear as we preach it out, and then the Holy Spirit so moves in the room so that each of us is rightly challenged for where we need to go. God at work in this place. And that's what we're looking for, is a dynamic, passionate hunger for Christ to do a work. And he says reprove, and then the next word is rebuke. And uh, this word is a little bit firmer word, rebuke. And uh, this word is kind of like with authority to declare out that something needs to change. Rebuke, to declare that something needs to be changed. Now, I'll just tell you, a lot of pastors take this the wrong way. In fact, they become the rebuker where they're looking for their authority to try to put the place in line. And I want to tell you, that's really kind of missing what's going on. He's like, let God's word be walked through so that God's word is doing a level of convincing and convicting so that the Holy Spirit is pressing in. This word rebuke is probably a little bit rougher form of that's what I'm talking... You need to be listening now. That's what I'm talking about. When the Holy Spirit really starts pressing in. When there's this moment where you feel almost punched by the truth of that word. It's so firm and so hard. It's so against maybe the way you've been thinking or the way you've been walking. And uh, this firm rebuking as God does his work. And man, I'm telling you, I get impassioned about God's word. I get excited to be able to bring it but when I move to the rebuking moment, I also get very tender and soft. And you may never have noticed that, that moment. But when I'm big, I am talking about the greatness of my God. And then we bring it down to we all need to be looking at a just, what is yours? And I'm letting the Holy Spirit tap in and be able to speak with you. Man, rebuking. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of God's word. It's a work as we walk it through faithfully. May God truly begin to move in this place. Ready? And all of God's people said, that's a big deal, man. And uh, notice how it gets a little quieter when you're like, and it's really exciting that God is challenging us in all of our wrong and everybody's excited about that. And you're like, yeah, that's exciting. And uh, we do, we have things we need to get working on. And Lord, I'm ready for you to take over. May we be faithful in that. He says to reprove, rebuke, and exhort, right? This is an encouraging, it's a gentler form. It's a encouraging and calling alongside, coming alongside. Let's head this way. It's a challenge with a more positive element to it. It's this favorable a treatment of somebody to help them understand where they need to head. There's an exhorting and an encouraging along the way. All of these need to be there. If we walk through the word and it's nothing but a feel-good journey for a handful of minutes and we all go home, we have missed what the point of God's word is. He's like, hear me, the word is about us hearing from God. So may we take time to walk it through. May the Holy Spirit lean in. May we be real about what needs to change and may God have his way with us. And that's a huge deal. He says, preach the word and allow it to reprove and rebuke and exhort as you work into those pieces. He says, with complete patience and teaching. With complete patience and teaching. In other words, the words of the pastor should not be words of shaming, attacking, or or here's one, should-ing. You ever heard an ING on that? don't should somebody. Have you ever heard that? Like it's a big deal that we don't walk in and go, you should do this. If we're trying to move someone just by telling them what they should do, we're just putting a weight of shame on and hoping they move by the pressure of somehow feeling wrong about it. Man, that is so small to what God is actually trying to accomplish. As the Holy Spirit taps in and begins to say, that's what I'm talking about. Man, as we talk, you hear me all the time saying, this is who our God is. May we get fired up about our God, super privileged about what he's offering us. And may we begin to take that step out of privilege to step forward, not shame of a knife in the back pushing from behind. He's like, make sure that your preaching is tender, that it's patient, that it's teaching. He's like, make sure you get it. I want you to know I, full, I love teaching. I love making sure that the depth of God's word comes together and it makes sense so that we all can do the right thing. I love to be able to teach it. And I would love to be able to tell you that patience is my thing too. And it's not, it is not. You can ask my wife. She will tell you quickly patience man it's a part that we all need to be growing in may we be allowing God to do a work Lord I want to hear from you Lord I'm ready to be able to hear from you so my celebration is in the greatness of my God my celebration is in the clarity of God's word and being able to teach it and Lord God teach us all to be careful and patient in the journey as we walk together and all of God's people said Amen, man. The preaching of God's word, it should be gentle, it should be with love, it should be exhorting, it should be clear and truthful so that the spirit can press in and there can be a a rebuking and a reproving along the way. You know, there was a man named Dr. Livingston, you've probably heard of him if you know much about missions work, but Dr. Livingston was a missionary to Africa and he was super excited about going and sharing, in fact, many came to trust Christ through Dr. Livingston, and uh, he was uh, excited to go off into the various back country of Africa. He loved to learn. So when he went on the journey, his plan was to continue to learn on the way. So he took all of his books. He had 73 books. He packed them in three big packs. They weighed a total of about 180 pounds, they said. They had guys who were carrying it. They ended up putting it up on donkeys and riding it. They carried these things along. He loved to learn. As they continued to get into harder and harder backcountry, he just couldn't keep so many. And they started to have to leave books along the way. And he ended up leaving a bunch of books. He was down to two packs. Then he got down to one. Then he got down to a half a pack. Finally, at one spot, he said, just leave it. He took one book. And that book was the Bible. The Bible. He picked up God's word and said, this is the one that I will travel with. May God get all the glory. And hundreds and thousands came to trust Christ through his sharing of the truth from that one book. He was faithful in preaching. He brought the word. He reproved. He rebuked. He showed the greatness of Jesus Christ with gentleness and with care. And so many came to trust. Man, His love was of the word of God. And that was his number one book. A simple question. So if you had to choose one book to take on the journey, would it be the Bible? Is that what you take? And man, we have to be really honest on it. Like, where are we at with it? Some of you might be like, dude, I don't read. Like, <laughs> Any book would be my problem. Okay, then here's your question. Which would you take? Netflix or, or the Bible, Right? Like we can get so caught up in these things. We have to be so careful. May we dig into God's word. May we see it as the inspired, inerrant, unbelievable word of God that the Holy Spirit uses to tap on our shoulder and bring us along the journey. May God get the glory as we stay true to his word, stay real to his word, both as individuals and as a church. And all of God's people said, amen, Amen, man, please hear me. If there's ever a moment where we stop preaching the word here, where I stop preaching the word, where I backed up and I decide to just share you the life according to me, where I tell you the latest magazine articles, please leave. Like at that point, myself, the elders, something went wrong. They're not correcting me. I'm wrong for it. This is not the place to hang out. If we are not preaching God's word on a regular basis, we have missed a part of the calling of the church. And all of God's people said. And we're going to stay true to it. We're going to stay real on it, even in this world that is so trying to distance from God's word. All right? Point number two stay true to God's word and remain strong despite the struggles. Stay true to God's word and remain strong despite the struggles. He says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Does that not sound like 2021? Right? He's like, there will be a 2021 coming. And there will be people who don't want to hear it. Notice, by the way, it says, there will be a time coming when people will not endure. I love that he used that word. For the person who doesn't want to hear what God thinks. For the person who doesn't want to hear what's sound, it actually hurts them to hear the right thing said. They're enduring the pain of having to listen to sound doctrine. They're trying to be tough through the middle of having to listen to someone pointing to the value and the greatness of God Almighty. This enduring of sound teaching, man, it's a big deal. As the world begins to drift further and further and further away from God's word, and it becomes more and more annoying to be able to hear the simple truths of God's word, there will be a time when people actually find it difficult to even endure the sound teaching. You know, all too often people today are taking the Bible, they're opening it up, and they're trying to see what they think of it. I'm just going to tell you, man, I wrote this down this week. Our job when approaching God's Word, our job when approaching God's Word is to discover His meaning, not to insert mine. Our job when approaching God's Word is to discover His meaning, not to insert mine. When you open the Bible, it's not, I've got to find this back somewhere. I need to be able to prove that, and I'm trying to insert my thinking in. Be careful, man. And there are many who are beginning to approach God's word where it's all just insert their own thinking there. Our job is to find out what is God's thinking. What is his meaning? What did he want us to know or hear in that? All right? He says, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They're like, enough of enduring what you have to say. I fire you as a teacher. I need a new teacher. I need a different church. I need a different pastor. I need somebody who's going to tell me it the way I want to hear it said. That's what he's saying. They're going to begin to just drift off and head for where they want to go because it makes them more comfortable. They're just going to where they think they can align more. Or maybe, let's be blunt where they're just given permission to think whatever they want. Feel free to go wherever you want. And man, be careful. May we align with God's word and may we let it impact our soul as the Holy Spirit moves, right? So he says, but having itching ears, they will accumulate. Like they're longing to hear something, but it's not the truth, They're looking to go elsewhere for it. He says, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and they will wander off into myths. They're gonna go off into what's untrue, myths, right? It's a narrative that has no backing in reality. In Paul's time, the myths had a lot more to do with like the Jewish culture, the Jewish faith. Some things that had gone on in the past, either with God or with the patriarchs or something like that. There was a lot of genealogy myths. There were things happening with the Jewish culture. Today, myths aren't so much that. The myths are maybe even broader. They're maybe even looser than that. I started thinking this week about what the different myths are that are going on in our domain, in our life stage here. So here's what I wrote down, all right? Uh, Top three errors being pushed today. Top three myths. You ready? Number one there is no divine authority, there is no God, there's no one in charge. There, there's no divine authority. I am ultimately and finally in charge of my own life. There is no one over me. There is no divine authority. Like, I, I don't believe there's a God. I don't believe you can even know if there's a God. I'm pushing against all of it. And, right? That's the number one myth out there. Begin to doubt the very presence of the one who ultimately, as Paul just got done saying, is the judge of all the living and the dead. That guy doesn't exist. That's the declaration. There's no divine authority. The second myth, uh, there's no absolute truth. Not only is there no God in charge over all of it, but now there's nothing absolutely true down here with us as we interact together. There's nothing absolutely true. It's all subjective. It's just whatever you feel, man. It's whatever you feel. Just go with that. And whichever way you want to head and however you want to go with your feelings. Man, it's getting sick. It's getting to a point where we used to anchor into things like science or math or whatever and now we're like, no man, it's just whatever you feel. We're starting to get this hard drift. Biology doesn't even answer to the truth. Now it's just however you feel. That's the reality of it all. And be cautious. When we start to dismiss absolute truth, there's one reason for it. I want to be able to drift and go where I want to go. There is no one in charge And there is nothing that's absolutely right or a must. I get to go where I want to go. Truth becomes very subjective and relative. No absolute in charge. No absolute truth. And then the third one. And there's no personal responsibility. And I'm not responsible for what happens if I do. In fact, I think it should all end up equal in the outcome. Whichever way I go. I want equal outcome. I don't want somebody else getting ahead on me. I want it all to work out fine just because. Like there's no God in charge. There's no absolute truth and there's no personal responsibility. I'm telling you, this is our society this year. This is the battle cry that's going on. Let's make sure that we push everybody to do whatever they want to do and let's not keep them accountable for any actions that they do do. Man, be careful with this. This is a tragic three-step process. And these myths are the unwinding of everything that keeps us accountable to our God, right? So those are the three myths that we might see in our society, and they are bleeding all over the place. He said, as for you, always be sober-minded. As for you, be sober-minded. Like, think clearly. No muddy thinking. Make sure you're grasping and honoring your God. Make sure you're self-controlled on the way. Part of sober-minded is self-controlled. You've got a reasoning and a thinking in the midst of it. So as for you, think clearly and follow your God. Don't just make up feelings and follow those. And please hear me. Man, if you've got a high sense of feeling and passion, you can be very passionate about the greatness of Jesus Christ. We can be super celebratory. We can be impassioned with high feeling. And it's all about the greatness of our God. And all of God's people said, and don't miss it, that's a huge privilege for us. He says, make sure that you are sober-minded and endure suffering. Endure suffering. Please note he said endure in here twice. He talked about the guy who's going against God. He's like, they have to endure hearing the sound doctrine. And then for the ones that do follow God and his sound doctrine, they have to endure suffering. This world is going to wash on our shore. And the more we take a stand against our our world and the more we stand with our God, the more we stand in a position where we say, my God is right and I'm following him. What the word of God has to say is where I stand. Please note, man, the world will be drifting further and further away from us and we will not have moved. This church, the preaching here, we are taking a stand on God's word and we will not move. But the world will be drifting further away. And it is going to bring some levels of suffering, some levels of struggle along the way. God only knows in what ways and in what time frames. But we lean on him and we trust in him. Part of the calling of this church to be on fire is that all of us We'll point to our king. We'll stand on his word. And we'll take anything that washes on our shore as we worship the living God. And all of God's people said, amen, man. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Like share the gospel and make it real. Make it powerful. Make it true. Make it unbelievably palpable, this truth of Jesus Christ. Man, please hear me. Jesus Christ. He is the God of the universe. There is a God. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He died for me and he rose for me. There is a God and Jesus is his name. Gospel message. And there is truth. Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. There is truth. There is absolute truth. And Jesus Christ is the author and center of it. Yes, there is a God. His name is Jesus. Yes, there is absolute truth and rights and wrongs. And ultimately, yes, there is personal responsibility, gospel message. We are called to believe that Jesus is risen from the dead and confess him as Lord, personal responsibility and responding to God's stirring in the soul. There is personal responsibility. Grasp it, man. There is a God. There is absolute truth. And there is personal responsibility. I'm telling you, the world is coming in with myths that attack the center of the gospel. Stand with your God, stand on his word. Let the Holy Spirit lovingly and gently move you and stir you as you get shaped for his glory. May God truly get all the glory. Our job, man, is to pick up God's word and in reading, to believe. To understand, grasp, and believe to believe that Jesus is God, to believe that the Father has a plan, to believe that there is hope and salvation in him, to believe that there is an eternity that Jesus Christ has in hand. Do you believe? Do you believe what God's word says? Man, just say it out loud if you believe. Just say, I believe. Bring it. Say it louder, say it bigger. Man, may we believe in God's word. May we respond to God's word. May we anchor in God's word. May we preach God's word. And in anchoring with him, may God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Let's pray.